you are the only one that can change society. Mm. There is no else that is gonna come to change society. There is no government that will change society. You have to start yourself so that then they can follow. They can then catch up to put a demand because when you put a demand on what you want, then the other people just come to endorse already what you want. So I think we have a lot of power as a people, as a community, to be able to begin to bring the peace in this world, not to end poverty, to just tackle. There's so many challenges that our communities face. You are listening to Concrete Pastures Podcast. I am Nancy Mlemoisisi. Being an immigrant has been one of the most challenging and extraordinary experiences of my life. It inspired me to create a space that allows for myself and others to share our stories as we deconstruct the world's view of immigrant status. We unlock the joys, the laughs, and the bravery that being a dreamer brings. So subscribe and stay a while as we dive into today's episode. For those of you who missed our exciting news, we have been nominated for the African Podcast and Voice Awards, APVA Awards. Super excited. Thank you so much to all of you that have been voting and sharing the links. Oh, if you're new here and you haven't voted, yes, it's the first time you're finding out the news. Vote, vote, vote. The link is in the show notes. Share the link with your family and friends. We need to bring this home. We appreciate you guys for the support. It's super easy to vote. Seriously, it takes less than a minute. Our category is Diasporian Podcast of the Year. I'll have the link and our social media actually has the steps on how you guys can actually vote. But it's super easy. As I said before, I'm super excited for our guest today. He's joining us from my home country, Zambia. His name is Harry Malichi. He is an impact-driven entrepreneur with a focus on environment, social, and economic well-being of our people. Yes. Welcome, Harry. How are you? I am well. Thank you so much, Nancy, for having me here today. Really excited to be able to share what we are doing uh, in Minilonga and in Zambia. So, yeah, really excited. Thank you. No, of course. That's what starters. We want to know you a little bit. You know, I grew up in Zambia for a little bit, and um, I'm sure your experience is very different from mine. How did you grow up? How has, you know, Zambia shaped you to get to where you are, which we're going to get to. So share a little bit about yourself with us. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. So I'm Zambia, born and bred, uh, raised in the outskirts of um, uh, Mwenilunga, which is the northwestern part of Zambia. 
Yes, I did my primary school there at a school called Loakela, which is in Mwenilunga. And then from there, I got to go to Mwenilunga boarding school um, and then made it to the University of Zambia. Yes, I come from a humble beginning. Uh, my father is, is, is a retired teacher. Uh, married to a housewife, which is my mother, and yeah, I've I've really grown up uh, in the village, having to share whatever that we had uh, at our home with the other vulnerable people that could come, like to our home. So I think that really like built uh, an in-depth in me to be able to uh, care for people and to be able to uh, love people genuinely. And uh, yeah, I think even after getting done with my university life, I think my focus was uh, also just to be able to share what I've gone through and also just look at what made me go through and make it to the University of Zambia. I wanted that for the other people that could not make it. Then my point was, how then can I contribute in my small way to be able to ensure that uh, the other generation of the people in the arts kids also have a fair share to be able to then make it to these uh, 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 good schools so that then we're able to build a better society. Yeah. So I think that's why I call myself an impact-driven entrepreneur is because of how I've been raised. I've been raised from a little to nothing and then because of that opportunity that I have then I want to impact my community and the world at large so in a nutshell I think that's a little about me oh nice so how fast forward because you are impacting our communities in a beautiful way that is truly inspiring and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on you're recently here in New York at the UN, how was your visit? <laughs> <laughs> you came at a good time, you know. It's summertime. We love the heat, especially me. I don't know. I'm a summer baby. How was your visit? Okay, so it was my first time actually to be in the United States and specifically in uh, New York. Of course, uh, we've heard a lot about New York, the city that does not sleep. We've <laughs> heard about, about the Times Squares, the Madison uh, Avenues. So for me, like there was an inspiration to really just go and uh, see what I've been watching movies, just get to just walk on those streets. So it was really interesting to really just come to be uh, in that space and just uh, look at the different cultures that are in New York, the, the bigger buildings that are in New York, you know, the metro, uh, 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 like buses there. So for me, it was like very, very like um, intriguing to really just get to be there. And uh, even when I'd gotten to, to New York, I think I was excited. Uh, of course, I'd come there at the invitation of the United Nations to be able yeah. to learn to play. So um, I knew that I was coming there to experience New York, but I also had a bigger agenda to be able to deliver uh, my speech. So yeah, it was the beginning case, but I think after getting to uh, like speak at the UN, then I had now the free time to be able to experience the life in uh, New York there. So it was exciting, I think. I must say, yeah, it was 
exciting years. Nice. No, I love it. The thing is, my good sister that introduced us called me after you had left. I'm like, I wish you told me we would have, you know, taken him out even more because she's here and I'm taking her around. And same thing I would have done for you. It's like, okay, you've seen uh, Times Square. You've seen all of these places. There's more to see. But I'm happy you were able to experience the, I, I don't know, the craziness of New York. <laughs> yeah, I think that would have been very, very good. Yeah, um, I think it's always important to get to a place and just have somebody who knows the place to like, you know, take you into, uh, uh, you know, the streets, into what makes it really fun to be in New York. I think I did not really get to uh, um, experience really uh, uh, the fun part of New York. It was more on the result side. It was more from hotel to hotel. Yeah. So, yeah, I think if an opportunity comes again and then I'm in New York, oh, definitely, I'll just call on you and say, okay, Nancy, I'm in New York. Uh, what else should I then look forward to in New York? Yes. No, for sure, for sure. You are here in New York to talk about what you do, which is honey manufacturing. But before I even go there, doing my research... I saw that you were in fashion. How do we go from fashion to... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, you, there are two different things, right? You definitely have been... Uh, you've been on to me. So uh, I, it's very rare to find somebody get to really research and get to uh, bring out uh, my past life. Yeah, but I'll tell you that... Uh, uh, when when I had made it to the University of Zambia, uh, at the same time in that year, uh, my sister was also going to Zikas, uh, which is, I'm sure you should know Zikas, it's an accounting school in uh, Zambia. So my father could not afford to uh, put me into school at the same time with my sister. So I had the option of uh, waiting for almost like two, three years for my sister to be done uh, with school because, I mean, he's he's a, he was a teacher and 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 and, and his uh, uh, revenue levels were not very good to be able to sustain two uh, students in school, so um, it then just um, gave me this. Uh, uh, um, desire to be able to stand on my own. I remember getting to uh, the University of Zambia and he was telling that I can't afford to to pay uh, for your school fees. You have to go back home and uh, just wait for these years. I think for me, it did not really uh, sit well. For me, I wanted to really just be in school at that same time. So I told him that, you know, God has given me this opportunity to be at the University of Zambia. I'm sure he will find a way for me to be here. So uh, that's when I now got into business to just be able to afford my school fees and just my, my upkeep into school. So I could be in, in Lusaka like during the course of the week, over the weekend, um, I'm traveling to Johannesburg, which is the nearest uh, uh, a city here uh, in South Africa to buy the suits to be able to then sell them so that then I can raise some some school fees. 
but then I think one thing I realized is that I think God had given me a good taste in clothing so I could I could uh, uh, sell and also just be my own model. I could use the same suits to uh, uh, put on them, uh, do photos, and, and it continued to grow like that. And I can tell you that I never struggled to uh, pay for my school fees because of that aspect of business. And um, I was in, 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 in a very tough school, which is uh, mechanical engineering at the University of Zambia. But I think that's the time when I began to actually know myself that, oh, I can also do business or, uh, to my life. And I think it was a blessing in this guy. So um, I really appreciate uh, 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 that moment because it introduced me to myself. So that is just a nutshell of what really happened for me to be in the fashion business. <laughs> of course, the line is still open. We still have a store, but I think I got more for Focused on 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 what you are me, which is now where we drive the impact from. So yeah, I think that's that's really in a brief what what really uh, is on the ground. Yes, that's very inspirational. That you never gave up having faith. Actually, like you had faith in what your creator, our creator, had for you, and it's just like this is what I'm going to do in order for me to continue and finish my school. Because for some people, they've just given up and it's easy. My parents are not able to afford, okay, there's nothing I can do. But thinking outside the box and having that great vision, amazing, very inspirational. What does Wachi Wami mean? Oh, Mami, me. <laughs> it's actually, it's, it's actually Wachi Wami. <laughs> um, last night I was literally <laughs> practicing I'm like let's not butcher this name so I'm like we're not pronouncing the W it just starts with the U <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think I think a, a lot of people uh, find it difficult to pronounce Uchi with a, a W because I know in Zambia there is Uchi which is from the Bemba side mm. but uh in 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 uh, Lunda, uh, we use a W, so that means it has to be pronounced as Wuchi Wuchiwami. Wuchiwami. Yes. Oh, listen, I'm yes. lazy. It's not even an excuse. I just I'm bad with names. That's all. Uh, I'm working on it. <laughs> it's a work in progress. But what does it mean? Just so, for uh, our, our listeners. So, Wuchiwami is actually a very uh, cute name uh, because it's also an endearing uh, uh, term because it means my honey. So, uh, you can use it for those that are already married, uh, those that are uh, um, uh, loved ones more intimately. Uh, you can use it on, 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 on your spouse, Wuchiwami. It means my honey. Honey, my honey. <laughs> so oh. that's actually the meaning. It's 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 uh, a Lunda Luvale uh, 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 meaning of my honey. Yes. So this is very fitting with the name itself because you are producing honey and wuchiwami. Um, so this is great. How did you exactly? Yeah. <laughs> start the, um, how did you start this? So you from fashion going into honey production. Yeah. How did this come about? So uh, the fashion business was merely a survival business. 
uh, because then I had I had no option but to do business to be then able to put myself into school. But past university life, I had to take an introspection to understand why uh, I'm the only one that has uh, made it to the University of Zambia, or maybe just a few of us. Because then when you are at the University of Zambia, you see that your other colleagues that are coming from uh, uh, other regions of the country, maybe they are hundreds, they're in the hundreds, they're in their um, uh, thousands. But then you from a Northwestern, uh, particularly Minilunga, maybe you are the only one, maybe two, three. For me, really, it got to me to really understand why other places are producing a lot of uh, people to then come to uh, the highest learning institution as compared to our, our uh, uh, community. So I went back because my people are all in Winilonga. So I went back to really take just a consensus to understand why other people, even the seemingly brilliant people that we grew up with, that we're going to school with, that could not make it. So I went back to them to understand what was really a challenge because these are guys that also were very like brilliant, but then they didn't make it to uh, these uh, like schools. So. They were very open and candid with me to say, okay, so you, you, you made it because your father was able to afford to uh, buy a shoe for you. They were able to afford to buy books for you. And even in your home, you could already be opened up to say, okay, you want to be like this, you want to be like this. In short, there was that exposure uh, to where you were going and therefore it gives you the appetite to be able to study even at night you were able to break a knife because you wanted to understand this uh, concept or this material. But for us, we had no one to inspire us. The only one that we could look up to is, is a policeman or maybe is a teacher uh, that is in a community teaching us. So our exposure was limited and as well our financial capacity from our homes were uh, literally uh, little to nothing. So that was what I got from them in like in relation to their feedback. So for me, really, it got to uh, uh, bring me to this point where I could say, okay, now that I've gotten this education, what then can I do? Uh, I, I said, okay, let me just then focus on looking at what we can build within our community that is able to give impact to the same, the same people that are already here who cannot go back to school because, I mean, they have four or five kids uh, uh, like already because then the issues of not going to school is also because you will get into early marriages because you, you don't have anything much more to aspire to do. Therefore, you resort to getting married or just marrying early because then I think when I was getting done, I had colleagues that already had like four, five kids uh, at a young age. So those really are issues that we continue to fight even today to ensure that we give them a better future, we give them an alignment of purpose to see what they can do much, much more compared to just settling for getting married or just, you know, um, marrying early, yes. So uh, that's what actually uh, made me get into looking at what resources 
what are valuable things are there in 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 Winilonga that we can then build a model or a business around that so that then we have the farmers or the people within the same locality get to have a sustainable living because then you've given them a platform and that's why we entered into uh, uh, the sustainable beekeeping, which I'll also share with you to say the beekeeping that is there has been the only economic driver in Northwestern, uh, in Munilunga. You can also add the pineapple uh, uh, farming. Yeah, but then for the beekeeping one, uh, it's been unsustainable because the women mostly could not participate because it was labor intensive or it is labor intensive because it's, it's a traditional well of beekeeping. So uh, that was really my my driver. It was to bring something on the table for the same people that have failed to uh, progress in life or just to progress in their academic life. What then can we do to them so that the next generation cannot go through the same issues. So that's why we chose a beekeeping with my team. And that's why we are pushing every day to ensure that we grow the business. Yes. Wow. Uh, really um, impressive. When I saw some of what you post on social media, like the tracks, it's amazing that you are investing into women and the mission that you have behind it. There is a lot of poverty in a lot of areas in our country and you trying to have somewhat to help. Um, Because you're right, when you don't have any income, any resources, you're going to get married young, start having children young because you're looking for stability for someone. And it's just the nature of it. And I'm so grateful to the work that you are doing and that you continue to do. Through my research, I ran into the medical news today on Google. And um, they're saying that currently the bees are running out on our planet. If it runs out, it's going to really affect our ecosystem on Earth. What are you guys utilizing the honey for aside from you know uh food uh what else are you doing with the honey to help with the ecosystem really fantastic that is actually a very a good study and uh, i think a very good uh, uh, awareness that you have come to of course um, on my own behalf i've been aware of uh, this issue uh, for some time now um, is because the bee is is a very critical animal because it's used in pollination. I mean, you you hardly cannot have your plants grow without bees because they pollinate, mm-hmm. um, and that's why in other regions they use uh, them to put the beehives into their farms so that then the plants, uh, the crops that they have grown can can 
uh, grow at a much, much better rate because of the pollination from the bees. So for us, our model, and that's why it's important for us to, to just bring to this table what we do, and then in what we do, you realize that we actually are advocating for uh, the bee population not to be affected, yes, because initially um, the traditional beekeeping model is where a farmer uh, cuts down a miyombo tree, and from our monitoring and evaluation, we realize that a farmer is destroying three trees to be able to make a back hive. It's called a back hive, which is not sustainable because you need the forests to be able to then nest these uh, bees. So, but then the farmers want to cut them merely because they want to then earn a living. So in 2018, we looked at that and said, this is not sustainable because the issues of climate change are not just for uh, Losaka people or for New Yorkers or, or for anybody else. These issues of climate change are affecting anyone. It doesn't matter where you are speaking from or where you're coming from. The issues of climate change are real. So we, we decided to be the agent of change ourselves. So in our little way, we began to make beehives from uh, pine wood. I will tell you that pine wood is planted to be able to be cut. It's planted for commercial use. So what we do is now we sacrifice the little that we have in our coffers to be able to make this pine wood, uh, uh, to make this top bar beehives so that we can replace this uh, unsustainable back hive which has been practiced in, in Northwestern for a long time. So there, what we're trying to solve is the issue of culture because uh, many people are used to the unsustainable way of living. So then we have to train them. When we onboard this farmer, we have to train them first so that then they understand that if they continue to cut down the trees, one is that there will be no forest to do beekeeping from. And two is that they'll displace the bees because then the bees will have nowhere to uh, 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 settle. So we want to ensure that we drive capacity in a farmer to understand the key uh, components because the bees are very important, but then they don't just stay anywhere. They need a forest, they need a thicket for them to be able to then house themselves in those thickets. So that's what we've been doing uh, for the past six years to, to make sure that the farmers understand this point. So when you talk about what we're doing, we are preserving the forest so that then in this forest we can still have bees being able to populate themselves each season, each each month, because we care and we believe that without the bees, we would not have plantations. And, and I mean, uh, we know why plants are important. We know why trees are important. It's because of the ecosystem. They have to absorb the carbon uh, dioxide in the atmosphere for them to release the oxygen. That can give us now the better ecosystems, the better uh, like emissions, so that then the world is able to fight the issues of global warming. So um, in a nutshell, I think that is what we are directly doing to ensure that we preserve the bees, we preserve the forests. Being an immigrant can be hard. 
Having been away from my home country for over 20 years has allowed me to experience these hardships firsthand. Throughout my journey, I've had a lot of challenges that were hard to bear. Juggling adjustment to a new country, obtaining my immigration papers, getting married, having children, establishing my career, and finding time for myself. Even though I've always had faith, I also relied on therapy, which gave me the tools to cope with the issues life brought me. My fellow dreamers, let's remove the stigma around therapy and normalize seeking help with today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. Go to betterhelp.com slash concrete pastures for 10% off your first month of therapy with better health and get matched with a therapist who will listen and help in as little as 48 hours. Beautiful. Thank you um, for sharing that. Is this the reason why you came also to the UN? Is this part of your speech? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the way you're putting it like, okay, is is it part of your speech? Yes, this was this was why I came to uh, 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 the UN. It's because of the impact. Remember the 2030 agenda, the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals. Uh, uh, one of it is uh, no poverty, which is one, and then we also have the climate action and then we also have the inequality all these are in our model we are an impact driven business as i said i'm an impact driven entrepreneur it's because we are advocating for a better better uh, economic action you know you can be doing business and making money but then the question is how is it impacting society how is it impacting the world it, it will always have an impact, but the impact is it positive or negative. So for us, we decided to build a model so that it can then have a, a, a net positive action so that we are not adding too much emissions into the atmosphere, but we are contributing to a net zero kind of action so that then we can balance up the ecosystem. So that's what we came to advocate for in the United States, and of course, the issues of inequality. Our women in in Northwestern have been um, excluded from the economic activity, which is in Winnie which is the big keeping. And therefore, with our model now, we have forty uh, percent of our farmers now who are women that didn't have what to do that didn't have any activity economic activity on their table now because of wuchiwami now they are able to produce their own honey and they're able to have their own uh, uh, wallets to be able to then uh, uh, save their money for us that is what we do that is what gives us the energy the fuel to be able to wake up every day to really uh, build a bigger business a scalable business for them to have a living in Northwestern. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what we came to uh, do there. Our speech was based on the impact side, yes. I'm so grateful for you representing us in a positive light. You are so right. A lot of people 
do have businesses, but what impact are you making in your own community? Do you provide any lending options for SMAs or uh, funding of some sort, aside from just, you know, salaries for the people that work for you? So we are actually, um, uh, I can say we are also an SME, a small and medium enterprise. We are okay. in our growth stage. So um, we came to uh, the United Nations to advocate actually for not just an SME, we were advocating for an eco-inclusive enterprise, an enterprise that has uh, the mission and the mandate to build green economies. Um, and in my area uh, uh, point, I was saying it is, yes, good to do business. It can be an SME, but what impact is it bringing to society? Mm. For us, we are SME that is focused on uh, uh, really doing a good business that has impact to then benefit society in a positive manner. And so what we have done is we have focused more much on, on our smallholder farmers. So these are farmers that, when we meet them, have literally nothing on their table. They, uh, from our M&E side, uh, we have realized that when we meet the farmers, they are earning less than $4 per month. Uh, then when we give them our model, when we train them, when we give them the top beehives, which is producing um, much, much more honey compared to the uh, traditional one, then they're able to uh, move from earning a $4 on a month to coming to almost $50 on a month. Uh, I can tell you I was in New York. Uh, if you have $4 to uh, live for on, on a day, you will not survive in New York. So um, no. the meals, the meals, everything is, is above uh, 20, is above 30. But then imagine someone living on a $4 in a month, not in a day or an hour, in a month. For us, that is really something that we want to really fight uh, a tooth and nail to ensure that we improve their livelihoods. We give them a sustainable way of earning their income. And that's why the only best way is to teach someone how to fish so that they can fish for themselves. And that's what we're doing. We're teaching them beekeeping so that then they can be better stakeholders to be able then to support the movement, to be able to support uh, 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 what we're doing so that five years from now, their kids will be in school, they will have balanced meals. But then I will tell you, Nancy, that it's not an easy journey because our policies have not been tailored for eco-inclusive businesses or for SMEs. We go ourselves to get uh, a funding from banks. Banks have not been made for SMEs. They have they've been tailored for larger institutions, larger businesses. So, but then we have to sacrifice the little we have to buy a beehive or to produce a beehive so that we can give it to a farmer for them then to also just have an opportunity to make money. So we are actually um, uh, uh, advocating that these policies be changed so that then there is blended financing for other SMEs to be able to then access funding. Because in our journey, we've realized that, yes, you need funding, but then the, the point that you have to start with is a capacity building. Because most of the SMEs don't have 
the expertise to be able to run businesses. But then when we have access to capacity building or just an ecosystem, an ecosystem that will be able to give you the business development in terms of capacity building for the team or the founding team. And then when that team is then growing, there has to be a kind of like financing that is really that just pinpointed to uh, the ecosystem, to these same SMEs that cannot afford to get a loan or an overdraft or a credit from the bank. Uh, but then there has to be these uh, funds available to be able to support these SMEs. So that is what also I came to advocate for when I'd come to the United Nations to ensure that they also understand that it's not only about capacity building. There has to be fine financing that is tailored to eco-inclusive businesses because then with financing only, you cannot make it because you might give it to an SME that is not yet ready, that is not yet uh, 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 got the foundation to be able to handle the money. But then it has to be an ecosystem where governments, where NGOs, where development banks are able to come together to establish a pool of funds that do not only just end at having the money, but then there has to be a service provider. I will tell you that 86% of the jobs are created by SMEs. So SMEs, SMEs have a bigger role to play, but then I think the policies that are there haven't been really made for SMEs. They've been built for bigger institutions. And even the, uh, the borrowing rates here or the lending rates, I mean, uh, for our banks here are quite, quite very high that an SME cannot compete. I mean, you're getting a loan for 30% per annum. I was shocked. I heard that uh, in other places in Europe or America, they're giving you credit for 2%. I said, well, if that is what we had in our... <laughs> yeah, so different different dynamics. But what we're saying is that let's have a funds that are not too expensive for SMEs, but they're not only funds, but let's have an ecosystem that then is able to uh, look at the growth of an SME and anchor them and grow with them and uh, I know that the results for an SME are always, are always evident because we don't have the capacity to close a business today here and go to another country to start a business. No, we are attached to our solutions. We are attached to our communities. And therefore, when you give us these opportunities to be able to then grow our businesses, I'll tell you that you, you will find the solutions in the same communities and they will not move to other areas and close here and move to another one. No, we are attached to the solutions because we've experienced poverty ourselves. We've experienced inequality ourselves. We've experienced uh, all these sorts of challenges that we are facing now. Uh, we have gone through them and therefore we are the best as well to be able to provide the solution. So, yeah, um, of course, I took a lot of time on that one, but it's a point I always want to emphasize. No, it's definitely great. We can all feel the passion in your work. Have you taken the same opportunity that you had here at the UN with the Zambian government to explain to them as to what could be done? 
and what was the result of that if that was done? So, um, of course, I have to be very uh, realistic to the fact that uh, policies take a lot of time to to be uh, um, uh, made or to be established, but then they can't be established if we keep quiet. So I think for me, being uh, a Zambian and the person that has really gone through all these challenges, the issues of poverty, uh, the issues of inequality, I want to ensure that I scale even on the publicity. I want to ensure that I have the platform and when I have the platform, I speak the things that many, many SMEs, not only in Zambia, but the other nations are experiencing. Yes, around the world. Yes. So, um, of course, not everybody will have the opportunity to uh, come to speak at the UN Day. But for me, I think it was an opportunity to be able to not just represent myself and my business, but to represent the many, many SMEs that believe in what they are doing and they have the solution. But then the problems that we are facing now uh, uh, are mostly general because most of these countries, most of these uh, policies, I think in Africa, I've not been to any other uh, continent apart from Africa and now the US. But I think from my research, many of these uh, problems that we are facing in Zambia are faced in Indonesia. Uh, first, even just maybe within the same New York, with with just your different uh, 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 landscapes there. But then there has to be an awareness. There has to be a voice. We have to continue to speak and advocate for the things that are, are affecting many of the SMEs. And then the global uh, 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 populace, you know, the people in authority then are able to listen to say, okay, so this is a general problem that we really have to address. Let's get on it. Yeah. So it, it needs to have that voice, the scale of uh, uh, the publicity of what is affecting uh, many of the SMEs has to be bigger for them to act. The numbers have to tell because I know they will not say no, let's wait for others to also come on board. But when we begin to advocate for this on on, on a larger scale, then they're able to come on board and change these policies and just establish collectively uh, um, uh, what then can solve the solutions or, or other these uh, problems here. Yeah. So, yeah, that is why I was there, and that's what we're advocating for also in Zambia here. Uh, we are not working in isolation, I must say that. We are also working with government agencies, which were in 2018 uh, uh, went to be uh, uh, a member of the Zambia Development Agency. Uh, these are issues that they, con- they have continued to hear f- from us, and uh, they um putting in, I think, all they can do to ensure that these things are tabled and that the solutions are not just discussed in boardrooms, but then they are taken to the action point table. Yeah, because then there's this issue of having to talk about these challenges in boardrooms without the many SMEs that are, are affected. But mm-hmm. I am glad that now we are able to voice these things out ourselves at the people that are affected so that then the guys or uh, the people in authority, the people that 
but make these decisions are able then to come on board and say okay enough is enough let's let's act even when they say let's act we have to also go back to them and say okay you promise that you act on this but where is the speed where is the agency because the problems we are facing are not ending today they keep on to multiply because no one is attending to them yeah so that's what we are doing in our own small way and it's also because we believe that we are the agent of change no one will change until you begin yourself in your house in 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 your school in your community you begin to advocate for the best way and the better way to have things done yes so that's what we believe in as Wuchwami and as well on a personal point i believe that i have to be the first one to inspire the change so that other people are also able to catch up with me yes the SMEs um issues it's all over africa for sure and i think all over the world as well because there's some people that are, have businesses here they're having those challenges but in a different way Every time I speak to someone whether it's Nigeria, South Africa, um they're having similar issues as to no one can lend to us because of the risk factor. I know risk factors because I'm in the fi- the banking space. I understand where the banking space is coming from, but also I understand where the business side as a business owner as well what I would like for my government, my community to do. in order for me to grow and continue to you know uh contribute you are heading in the right direction i heard through a little birdie that you are going to italy next uh, <laughs> to have a speech um i'm sure some of our listeners would love to know there yes. a lot of smes how do they get an opportunity to have Uh, I guess to present what their business is about uh, or what they are doing to the scale that you are doing as well. Like how did you get nominated to go to the UN and now to Italy? Thank you so much actually for uh, just that question. Um I am going to Italy on on the same uh, platform. So we have the uh 2023 UN uh, stock taking moment uh that looks at um um the agri food systems yes because in our model we want to ensure that we build a resilient business that is able then to give an opportunity to the farmers to be able to produce sustainably their food and ensure that we also reduce the issues of poverty So uh your question is how can an SME then be able to afford this uh, platform to be able to speak or to move into these uh, platforms and be able to uh, then contribute I think my direct one is ensure that first you begin to um contribute at your small uh, like scale because I'll tell you we began our business in 2018 six years later is when the world is getting to know about what we've been doing so it's it's we we did not start our business to be able to then look to be 
on the UN uh, platforms or to be able to come to Rome to uh, like address uh, uh, many, many uh, governments and NGO stakeholders and whatnot. No, we, we are focused on, on, on the challenges that we have. And we are also focused to know that with, without an in-depth commitment to building a business, a scalable business, we will not have any opportunity to go anywhere because the thing is this, as an SME, you are building a business that you've never built before. Uh, you might be an engineer, you, you might be a, a banker, but the landscape to run a business is a different one. And therefore, for us, what we have uh, gotten ourselves to is to ensure that we build a business, we commit ourselves to growth, to learning, so that then we can build a better business. Because with a scalable business, it means also that even your impact can be scaled. We began with uh, 10 farmers in Winilonga uh, with almost 20 beehives. Now we are talking about 2,500 smallholder farmers that we are working with. Our model was only in Winilonga district. Now we have it in other districts within Zambia, meaning we are scaling our model. We are scaling our impact. When you scale your impact, when you scale your solution, there is no door that will not be open because they just can't let you go because you have proven your model that you are able to then solve the challenges that the world is facing. So for me, I think my answer to your question is focus on the impact that you are bringing on this earth. Through that impact, it will earn you the right to be able to stand in front of someone, to be able to stand to then advise other communities. For us, I think we are not really uh, surprised that we have earned our share to come and speak on those forums. It's because we know what we have done and we know what we are committed to do and we keep on doing it day and night. Of course, the platforms will always follow you. Success, I mean, success is always contagious. But I think it's important for you to focus on the solution, not really focusing on going to Rome or to New York to speak. No, focus on the solution that you have, that you have delivered to your community. And then through that, through the impact, through the scaling of that, everyone will be able to invite you to speak because you have the solution, yes. So, What are some of the challenges that you guys face in business? We have, you know, like one of my friends says, summer days and winter. What are <laughs> it's business, and there's, I'm sure, yeah. I, from what I know, Zambia, someone yeah. is doing honey, and somebody else is yeah. going, to, Oh, he's doing honey. I want to do honey. <laughs> what? Are, I come on, I know this. So, yeah. <laughs> What are some of the challenges that maybe other uh, our listeners can learn uh, that you guys were able to, you know, come out of through your business? So um, we've not had a good ride. Of course, it's business and more even business in Africa and business in Zambia. Uh, we we formed our company in 2018 
we formed the cooperative also in 2018. But even as we were registering the companies with a brilliant model, with a brilliant idea, we literally had no experience or no information to what really we were registering because everybody is excited because then there is this uh, uh, wind of entrepreneurship. Everybody wants to get into entrepreneurship. But the point is, uh, do you really know uh, what you're getting yourself into? So the issue of knowledge is is quite very, very uh, um, uh, big here. The knowledge gap is very uh, big. So in 2018, when we registered our business, we had no knowledge on really how to run a business. Uh, we, me and a mechanical engineering, my other partners, uh, uh, gifted differently in other areas, but none of us, and this is, uh, I think, common to many of the SMEs, you realize that uh, many of us as uh, as entrepreneurs running SM, SMEs um, uh, do not have the expertise to run businesses. And therefore, uh, in 2018, we did not know that we didn't know how to run a business. And that's why I like the uh, philosopher Socrates who says, you are only wiser when you know you don't know. But then most SMEs do not know that they do not know how to run a business because they're coming from maybe a financial background. Then they think that is business. No, no. So um, for us, I think we, we learned it in a hard way because uh, when COVID-19 had come, we were doing our business like a cantember. Cantember in Nyanja, in English, is where whatever you sell is what you eat. Uh, um, you don't even uh, look at your costings. You don't even have governance. So that used to be the norm. Whatever you sell, you, you eat. Whatever you sell, you consume. Just like that. But COVID-19 came and awakened us as a business because we almost closed our business. With a good model, with very brilliant people on the team, we almost closed our business. So in 2018, in 2020, um, uh, when we had almost closed our business, for me as a founding uh, uh, member, I said, okay, why have we found ourselves in this situation? I know COVID-19 came at a very bad time and it has crippled many businesses. But I think there is also um, lessness to put it all on COVID-19 because other businesses survive. But then why are other businesses uh, uh, closed? It's because you realize many SMEs do not even have a risk register into their value chain. They don't know where the risk will come from. They don't have governance. They don't have uh, HR. They, they don't have systems in place. You find one is the director, the, the same guy is also the finance guy, the same guy is he, he's doing everything. Wow. You see. So I think in 2020, uh, when COVID-19 came and we had almost lost our business, we committed ourselves to uh, change our culture into a culture of learning. I remember we had spent almost like six months into capacity building. The little that we had on our personal coffers, we had to pay to be able to be in class, to learn why we failed, 
at business to also learn how then we can structure our business to be able to withstand these uh, uh, different conditions, to be able then to build a scalable business. And that's when we even realized in that same time that you don't build a business, you build people through systems. And then the people then are able to build a business in a way more like building a skyscraper. You don't build it brick by brick uh, and you are standing on the same brick. No, you have to scaffold it so that when you are building, you are not standing on the building, you are scaffolding so that the business, after you are done building it, it's able to stand on its own. But initially, many SMEs cannot leave their business for a day or two days without the business closing because they are the alpha, they are the omega, they are, you know, they are everything. So those are really issues that we really, got to discover when we almost closed and when we got into uh, school, into capacity building. In 2021, just post our capacity building uh, chapter, of course, we are always in capacity building every uh, year. We've made it as a policy as which we want to always be in school. But the effects of capacity building in 2021 we uh, we had zero point at the beginning of 2021. We had 0.63 local market share, but after we had devoted to capacity building, we grew our local market share from 0.63. We moved to six percent. Wow. Uh, you who is from a financial background, you, you know that that is more than 500 percent of increase. Yes, that's amazing. Wow. Yes. So we can attribute that to capacity building. We grew, uh, we, we only had um, uh, three uh, uh, people on our team. We grew from uh, uh, three to almost 11, not almost, 11 employees. Now today we are standing at 22 employees. And this is because we have devoted ourselves to capacity building. We know that we have not run any multi-billion businesses. And therefore, there is so much that we don't know. And therefore, the only way to get it right is to then commit ourselves to continuous learning. And you realize also that, for example, I don't know if you've been in any workspace, you you find many times the business is growing, but the people, the, the employees themselves are not growing together with the same uh, founding people. So this has to be really, you know, something that many SMEs have to put on, on, on their plate to say, okay, we have to commit ourselves to growth. When you grow, everyone would want to be a part of what you're doing because they can see tangibles, they can see deliverables in your growth, yes. So that is one of the the, the challenges that we had faced. And of course, I cannot close this without the issues of financing. As I mentioned already, um, I think today I was talking to one of uh, the colleagues who actually brought in a very good point. He said... 22% of businesses in Zambia are the only ones that can access financing, be it from a microfilm, be it from a bank. Then my question is, where is the 78 businesses? Where are they getting their money? Meaning they don't have access to funds. 
And also, even when you have access to this, the 22 who have access to uh, this financing, they are getting uh, their money at a very high uh, uh, rate because the cost of financing here is quite very high. So you realize you can do so much uh, if we had good financing, if we had available financing. And this is 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 a problem, I think, to many of the SMEs because they also don't have the structures to be able to qualify for the available financing. And that's why with capacity building, you begin then to um, put in systems, policies. Uh, um, I got to know about policies for a company in 2020, even after <laughs> running a business for two years, I had no idea that a company has to have policies on how it's governed. Only in 2021 is where now my business had now uh, not just written policies, but then policies that can now be used in the day-to-day running of the business. Now we have an advisory board, but you realize many SMEs run away from guidance. They, they run away from somebody being on top of them to advise them that, no, this is the wrong decision, this is the wrong decision. Yeah. So now we have an advisory board that has almost 20 years of experience or expertise into risk management, into uh, business development. It's because of getting to know that, okay, yes, we are an SME, but we cannot just be blaming everybody for our own problems. We have to know that this cannot be done by anyone else. We ourselves have to advocate. We have to put ourselves into school to know what we don't know yes wow so <laughs> of course there are a lot of challenges uh, but i think those are really kind of like dear to to uh, uh, my heart because we really had to suffer a lot to uh, for us to correct those uh, issues of of knowledge the issues of setting up systems i think we learned it in the hardest way. And every time I have an opportunity to be able to speak to an entrepreneur, to speak to an SME, I want to ensure that first of all, they look at those points. When then they can sort out those issues, then now they can point a hand or a finger at someone who hasn't given them uh, an opportunity. But I think the issues of uh, putting up systems, of structuring your business, for growth is very key because then it opens up doors. Even if it's expensive financing or high financing, at least you are able to move your business from point A to point B because the issues of policy and of making financing available or cheaper are not just driven by one uh, uh, item. A lot of partners or stakeholders have to come on board to be able to really just change that issue. So you will not wait for uh, years or decades for them to change or to lower the cost of, of financing, no. But then ensure that at least even if it's high, you are able to qualify for that same very high financing. So uh, those are the issues that SMEs have to look at for the immediate now so that then we can also have hope to then look at how then the cost of financing these issues are then sorted out. Yes, so yeah, that's what is there on my heart. Yes. 
you've uh, you, you shared a lot of uh, great information. Um, I mean, uh, having a structure for your business is definitely a goal and creating those systems and investing in your team. <clears throat> I'm sorry. And um, I think that's what we do well here. From what I noticed is a lot of businesses are investing in their people, giving them the training that's required because at the end of the day, you can't run the business, just you knowing everything. You have to transfer yeah. everything you know to your team members. This way you could free up. I think that's what you were trying to say. This way you can actually run the business through your people mm -hmm. in that way. Exactly, yes. Yeah, no, it's uh, definitely great information. Uh, you have gone through ups and downs, and I think you are at the point where you feel, I don't know, you could tell us, uh, do you feel <laughs> your cup is full? Do you feel fulfilled at this point in your life? I will tell you that I'm actually just beginning. Mm. I have so much energy. Um, I have so much uh, determination and uh, so much uh, a zeal uh, to ensure that I can contribute everything, I can offload everything that I think my creator has given me to be able to impact the world. So um, somebody was telling me, okay, you are going to New York because it's a big thing, you know, here in Zambia to have the platform to be able to not only come to New York, but to be able to speak in such uh, 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 forums or, that, or rather such forums. But for me, I think um, what I look at is that I have the privilege to really be able to um, uh, develop a model or models that can impact society. So uh, in me, I know there's so much that society is waiting to receive from me. And therefore, I have to already ensure that I do not behave like everybody. I have to know what I am here for, like on this earth, because we are called differently. Some are called to be uh, accountants, some are called to be uh, medical doctors. Ensure that in your calling, you know what is at stake and how then you can achieve and ensure that when when you are done with your journey, you have offered everything. Of course, fulfillment of purpose for me, I feel it because I'm a, an impact driven entrepreneur. When I see a former who, or rather, a, a, like a person who did not have food on their table, now they're able to earn a living and they're able to smile every day, are able to take their kids to school. In a short term, for me, I sleep well at night and I feel, I feel happy and fulfilled. But then on a personal capacity, on a personal level, I know that a lot of people are waiting for me to be focused every day to ensure that I do not put um, uh, this, this opportunity on another person, that I should be able to ensure that I deliver what God has given me to deliver to humanity. And then that is when now I can say my journey has been run and the race has been a good race. Now, there's nothing to give more. Let me now just relax and sit. But for now, I'm just, I'm just 
still in my youth. I'm still in 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 my early uh, years of a youth person. I still have a lot of energy. So um, we have a lot to do, and uh, I'm sure that one day when you give me the opportunity to be able to feature again on this uh, podcast, I'll be able to say, okay, so five years later, this is how many lives we have impacted. This is how many people we have empowered. For me, I think my growth is in how many I empower. So long I haven't empowered the whole world, then I'm still starting, yes. Wow. From what you have shared and from what private conversation that we had, I think you are on a great journey. And I think without you, you even realizing you have impacted a lot. Impacting the world, to me, that's God's work. So <laughs> I leave that to, to God uh, and have yeah. him send me the people that you know I need to impact. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but definitely you are, um, thank you for representing us in a good light. I was so excited to, I'm always excited, honestly, to see uh, people making a change uh, in a positive way in people's lives. And it's important, uh, not everybody who has a business is truly, you know, engaging with the community, not to their fault, maybe that's what they could do. And that's it. Um, yeah. But it's great to see that as you grow in your business and you are continuing to impact our community everywhere, all over the world, uh, in some way or another. You know, someone eats your honey, that's impacting. You make putting a smile oh, yeah. on their face. Uh, <laughs> definitely. You know, someone yeah. fails to say your name, what you want me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <Uh-oh>. so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> however it is, you're still impacting. So I'm so grateful yeah. to you for making time for us. And I can't wait to hear all about Rome and how you're going to be eating yeah. all the pizza, I hope, and pasta. <laughs> Please share the <laughs> stories. I'll, I'll be looking out for it on social media. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you, truly. Thank you so much. And to the listeners as well, you might be listening us from from um, Indonesia, from uh, uh, Kenya, from, from uh, the USA. Um, I just want to leave this with you. I think you are the only one that can change society. There is no else that is going to come to change society. There is no government that will change society. You have to start yourself so that then they can follow. They can then catch up to put a demand because when you put a demand on what you want, then the other people just come to endorse already what you want. So I think we have a lot of power as a people, as a community, to be able to uh, begin to bring the peace in this world, you know, to end poverty, to just tackle. There's so many challenges that our communities face. So um, I want to just tell you that uh, you are the only hope for your community. I've learned this through my journey as an entrepreneur. So I want to extend this. I want to extend this to the listeners as well, that it might be small, whatever you're doing might look small, but um, 
whoever you are impacting, it might not be small to them because for them, it's all they're looking for. So let's not relent. Let's continue to uh, uh, improve, to you know, advocate, to fight, and to just create the world that we want ourselves. So, um, yeah, so thank you so much, um, Nancy, for hosting me today. I really, really appreciate this. I didn't know that really to be this impactful, but then I think I'm also impacted by your journey and bringing us on board to be able to share what we have gone through. So I'm also one of the person that God actually sent you to impact just by me being here on this platform. So thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's it for this episode. Thank you again for lending us your ears. It's truly an honor to save each and every dreamer. You can continue to support us by liking, sharing, and following us on our social media pages. The links are all in the show notes. We have so many exciting projects and ventures in store for you. Until next time, keep dreaming. Born and raised.